Hey everybody and welcome to Season 3, Episode 2 of The Rugby Report, your weekly recap and preview podcast of all things rugby. My name is Dwayne Burkhardt and this week we'll cover another week of pre-Rugby World Cup international test matches as the world's best teams prepare for the World Cup next month. And of course, we'll recap Round 1 and look ahead to Round 2 in the Bunnings NPC action in New Zealand, the world capital of rugby. Starting with the international test matches, the weekend began with a rematch of one of the greatest rivalries in world sports, as the New Zealand All Blacks welcomed the Australian Wallabies to what is literally my favorite sports venue on the planet, that is Forsyth Bar Stadium in Dunedin. Why is it my favorite? I don't know. I just think it's beautiful and cool, and I've been there. These two teams came into this game on the heels of a good old-fashioned butt-kicking last week when the All Blacks beat the Boomerang Boys 38-7 at the beautiful and historic Melbourne Cricket Ground. The All Blacks came into this game as a result with a bit of swagger, having not lost an international test match so far this season, and they decided to rest a bunch of their key players. The Wallabies, conversely, came into the game just plain pissed off, and it showed. From the opening whistle, the Wallabies came at the All Blacks with a level of energy and pace that we haven't seen from their team in... Well, I don't know that we've ever seen this team show that much energy and pace before. They dominated the first half and took a comfortable 17-3 lead into the Sheds. But as I watched the first half of this game, and it was an impressive half for Australia, I kept asking myself how in the world this team could possibly keep expending that much energy for 80 minutes. And well, they certainly tried, but in the second half, the All Blacks defense stepped up, holding the Wallabies offense to just a penalty kick, although, holy crap, wow, that was quite the kick from veteran Quade Cooper. While the All Blacks scored exactly as many points as they needed to eke out a narrow and last-minute victory, thanks to a magnificent kick in that last minute by the choo-choo boy himself, Richie Mwanga, and the full-time score was All Blacks 23, Wallabies 20. But hats off to Australia for their effort in this one, folks. If they go into the Rugby World Cup with that level of play, they will make some noise. Elsewhere in international action, Wales hosted England in a tough low-scoring match, at least in the first half. England took a narrow 9-6 edge into the break, but in the second half, it was all Wales all the time. England made some silly errors in this game, including several blown line-in throws on offense, and ultimately, they just ran out of gas on defense. Conversely, Wales managed to score two tries in the second half and held England scoreless after the break, making the full-time score Wales 20, England 9. Is Wales that much better all of a sudden, or is England just struggling that much more? I don't know yet, but if I were England... I'd be very concerned heading into the World Cup next month. There were two other really interesting international games this weekend. In the first, Scotland, rather shockingly in my opinion, upset France 25-21. And in the other game that really amazed and impressed me, the South African Springboks sprang back to life and went into Argentina and beat the Pumas 24-13. In other international action, Samoa crushed Tonga 34-9, the USA took down Romania 31-17, Uruguay defeated Namibia 26-18, and Fiji just plain manhandled Japan 35-12. And folks, people need to watch out for Fiji, because they are not just an up-and-coming rugby nation anymore. 
They are absolutely ready to play with the big boys. Finally, in the, well, I could have told you that game of the weekend, Ireland easily dispatched Italy 33-17. Now, turning our attention to the opening weekend of the 2023 NPC season, the action began on Friday night when the Tasman Mako hosted Otago. Otago survived a relentless 21-phase attack to start the game, but the Mako were simply not going to be denied. Sadly, former All Black and Highlander superstar Waiseki Naholo was injured early, and we do not have an injury update at this time, but we certainly hope and pray that he is okay. Despite losing Naholo, the Otago defense was simply massive in the first half, and they trailed only 7-3 at the break. In the second half, an errant line-in led to a breakaway try by the Mako, but Otago simply would not go away, and shortly thereafter scored a brilliant try of their own. The game finally looked to be headed Tasman's way in the 56th minute, but Otago came back again to keep the game within reach. Tasman scored late to extend their lead a bit, and the full-time score was Tasman 27, Otago 15. But folks, wow, what a game to start the season. The second game on Friday night takes us to Taranaki, where the Bulls hosted Counties Manukau. In the first half, it was a frenetic back-and-forth battle between these two teams, but in the second half, it was the Bulls who stampeded on the strength of impressive tries by Kalen Boshier and Kenny Naholo, and the full-time score, as predicted, Taranaki 37, Counties 29. Saturday's action began in Hawks Bay as the Magpies hosted the hibiscus-clad men of the North, North Harbor. Last week, I said that this was going to be a close game, but I don't think even I saw it as being this tight. This was by far one of the games of the week this week. It was a genuinely thrilling back-and-forth battle for 80 straight minutes. North Harbor got off to a very aggressive start and netted a try in the opening moments of the game. Hawks Bay eventually tied the game at 7, but North Harbor continued to press hard and eventually opened an 8-point lead before one of the best scrum halves in the NPC this year, that would be Falau Fakatava, put on a one-man clinic and led the Magpies to a score, and just like that, it was a one-point game at the half, 15-14 North Harbor. In the second half, it was more of the same, which is to say more fast-paced back-and-forth action until one of the other best scrum halves in the NPC, who is also playing for the Magpies, and that would be Brad Weber, led his team down the field, which resulted in a penalty and the Magpies' first lead of the game, 17-15. But back came North Harbor, retaking the lead 18-17. The Magpies responded, and it was 20-18 Magpies. But so did North Harbor, and again, they retook the lead 21-20. But then the Magpies do it again, and re-re-re-retake the lead. I think I've lost count at this point, 23-21, and they hold on for the win there. The full-time score, Hawks Bay 23, North Harbor 21. Next up, Monowa 2 hosted Wellington. And full credit to the Turbos here, they've started 2023 looking much better than they did in 2022. But as I predicted last week, starting against the defending champion and Ranfurly Shield holders, well, that was a tall order. Still, they held Wellington to just three points in the first half, and they got two penalty kicks late. So it was actually the Turbos who took a 6-3 lead into the Sheds. Wellington tied the game and eventually took a three-point lead around the 64-minute mark, 
And then, just minutes later, the Wellington offense finally broke free, and Peter Umaga Jensen scored what became the game-winning try. Minutes after that, Manawatu replacement Josh Tolua made a just plain stupid very late hit, netting him a sadly well-deserved red card and functionally ending any chance the Turbos had for an upset. The Lions added a couple of kicks late, and the full-time score was Manawatu 6, Wellington 22. Next up, Northland hosted Canterbury in a good game that Northland was very much in until a pair of yellow cards in the 58-65 to 65 minute time frame of the game, and from there on, Canterbury just dominated. Canterbury's tough to play when you have 15 men, but when you only have 13? No way. Fergus Burke picked up where he left off last season, and Canterbury already looks determined to get back to the top of the table. A late try and extra time made it look even worse than it was, but the fact is that it was ultimately pretty bad. Full-time score, Northland 11, Canterbury 43. Sunday began with a just plain gorgeous day in Taranga, as the Bay of Plenty Steamers hosted Auckland. The game began with a monster kick from Cole Forbes. It wasn't just a 50-22, it was a 22-50-22. And it set up the game's first try by Selby Rickett, and quick as you like, the Steamers were up 7-0. Auckland got on the board, but then Leroy Carter got loose on the outside and simply willed his way over the try line, and suddenly it was 14-3, and we weren't even 15 minutes into the game. The game settled down for a bit there, and it was 17-3 Steamers at the break. But in the second half, the Steamers continued to play the same kind of fast-acting and just plain fun-to-watch rugby that made them a total blast to follow last season. Leroy Carter got his second try before Auckland finally got across the try line a few minutes later. But it was Auckland's second try in the 55th minute that should have been the wake-up call and brought the game to 24-15 Steamers. The Steamers added a kick, but Auckland added yet another try. And suddenly, with only seven minutes to play, it was just a five-point game. But a big penalty against Auckland gave the Steamers an eight-point lead. Hang on, we're not done yet. Auckland returned the favor and once again made it a five-point game. And then, just seconds into extra time, they tied the game at 30, made the conversion kick, and in a thriller... Auckland steals game one on the road. Full-time score, Bay of Plenty 30, Auckland 32. And finally this weekend, we finish in Rugby Park in Invercargill, which is as far south in New Zealand as you can go and still play rugby, as the lovable Southland Stags began their season against the Waikato Mulus. The Mulus began by methodically moving down the field and scoring an early try. And frankly... It didn't get any better for the Stags from there. They did manage a try right before halftime, but it was 26-11 at the break, and the truth is that it could have been much, much worse. Still, the Stags came out of halftime determined to make a game of it. They scored early and eventually made it just a five-point game. More importantly, they held Waikato scoreless until a penalty kick in extra time. But it wasn't enough. Hats off to the Stags for coming back and playing a much better second half, but in the end, the Mulus were just too much, and the full-time score was Southland 21, Waikato 29. One final thought on this game. How awesome was it to see Marty Banks, one of the most beloved veteran players in all of New Zealand, triumphantly take the field for the Stags late in this game? 
Banks suffered a horrific injury in a game against Bay of Plenty late last year, and many fans feared that it might be the end of his storied career. But it's not. And I think the game is better for it. Welcome back, Marty. Checking in on my predictions now, I was an impressive 6-1 in round one, and literally just a second away from being 7-0. Oh well. Let's look forward to the upcoming games here in the NPC. The midweek game this week is, of course, technically part of round one, as Northland will host the Taranaki Bulls. I previously predicted that Northland would win this game, but now I'm wondering. But I've already made the call, and I'm not going to change it here. Northland will take this game. Round two will begin on Friday, when the county's Manukau Steelers will host the Hawks Bay Magpies. The Steelers impressed the heck out of me in round one, But even though they'll be at home, in a stadium I love, and just to be clear, I am still looking to buy any one of those homes that overlook the county's field, I have to go with the Magpies here. Hawks Bay wins on the road, and the Steelers start 0-2. On Saturday, the Bay of Plenty Steamers will welcome the Waikato Mulus in a Game of the Week contender. It will be a key rematch of last year's playoff game, and easily the hardest game of the year so far for me to predict. Bay of Plenty played a great game in round one, certainly deserved a win, and came oh so close. The Mulus are great, but I can't believe the Steamers are going to drop two in a row. So I'm going with the Steamers at home. Bay of Plenty wins. Next up, Otago hosts Wellington, and I'm going to go with the defending champion Lions here. But watch out for Otago at home because they have pulled off some stunning upsets in Forsyth Bar in recent years. And this could be another one. Also on Saturday, Tasman hosts Auckland in a key early season matchup. Auckland impressed the heck out of me in their come-from-behind win last week, but the Mako men appear to be back and ready to return to being one of the dominant teams in the league, after, frankly, not being one of them last season. I'm going to go with Tasman to win this game. But if Auckland wins, well, then watch out for them this season. Sunday's action will begin in North Harbor as the hibiscus-clad men of the North will host Canterbury in yet another Game of the Week candidate. North Harbor can be explosive and exciting, especially at home. But Canterbury looked really good in their opener last week. And I think they'll have enough to make it 2-0. Canterbury wins. Next, a battle of the lands as Southland battles Northland. And I'm going to go out on a limb with this one. And this may just be a sympathy pick here. But I'm going to go with the Stags to upset the Tanifa and win an early one at home this year. Southland wins this game. And finally on Sunday, Manawa 2 will host the Taranaki Bulls. The Turbos played better last week against Wellington than they did all season last year. But they still haven't figured out how to score on offense. And until they do, they will struggle. And while Taranaki might remain unpredictable, I still think they've got more than enough beef to trample the Turbos. Taranaki wins this game. Finally, in round two next Wednesday, Hawks Bay will host Waikato in another big early season matchup. These two played a big, big, big playoff game in 2021 and tough games in 2022. 
This will be a midweek thriller. And folks, I'm not even going to predict it until next week's show. And that's it, folks. That's all we have for Season 3, Episode 2 of the Rugby Report. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and tell all of your rugby friends about our show. Until next time, remember, money can't buy happiness. Only rugby can do that. See you next time. This episode of the Rugby Report is the 2023 copyrighted property of Narratives, LLC. It is intended for the free, private, and non-commercial use of its listeners only and may not be rebroadcast or retransmitted either in whole or part without written permission. Please email info at narrativesllc.com for more information.